We're the Pragmatic Doulas. This is a podcast where we talk all about birth and other interesting things. Birth may be a goddess, but she doesn't want to be worshipped. She wants to be respected. She doesn't want incense. She wants common sense. sense. So there you go. Oh, you hello. are recording. Hi, everybody. Hello. Good morning. We are the Pragmatic Doulas. It is morning. Welcome back. It is. It's it's like we record in the morning, in case nobody, in, in case anybody cared, because that's the quiet time. Yes. In your house, is it? I don't know. I don't think there is a quiet time. It just this is a time when there's nobody here. Again with the snow, though. Like this is ridiculous. <laughs> Every yeah. single time we're fighting every Wednesday. Our way. There's a snowstorm yeah. in Toronto. Or and or we were like chipping ice off of our Cars windshield ago, in yeah. order to go home. It's crazy. One day we will be sitting here complaining about too much sunshine. Well, well then we'll be at my house because well, we'll be recording happen. around my pool. Like, Stephanie, put the sun umbrella on my side. Come on. <laughs> You'll hear the tinkling of glasses. Tinkling of ice. The ice. Yes, it'll be great. That will be great. Yes. Hmm. So what's going on today? What do we what? Anybody have any housekeeping? Do you have housekeeping? Oh, no, you can't remember what your housekeeping I can't remember. Was. I did have something, <laughs> but I forgot. Maybe it wasn't it. housekeeping. It was like a little thing. You know how I was like to ask, what did you learn this week? And it was something along those lines. And it didn't have anything to do with birth. It was just like a life thing. It was either cute or interesting. And I can't remember what it is. <laughs> no, we're not sure what. So never mind. Never mind. Okay, so a couple of housekeeping things. Um, we got a Instagram reply to one of our posts um, from Spectrum Doula Collective. Yay! Um, they said, just had a call yesterday with a doula in North Carolina who, as- who asked me if I knew the pragmatic doulas. What the heck? You're far reaching. So we've we tripped into the United States. So the southern states. What the <laughs> heck? I am. We thank haven't you. been there for twenty-five what, years. What's the what what? They're the just spec- North Carolina. It doesn't say where North. No, Carolina. it doesn't say. Well, where. hello, North, North Carolina. Carolina. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that that's, really is. That's and pretty cool. That makes me feel so proud of us. Yeah, should mm-hmm. have a should post have a shout out. Where are y'all from? Yeah, where's everybody? I didn't think that we were that we were reaching anybody far enough to make that interesting. Like people are like Scarborough, downtown, Toronto. They'll be like, yes. Rich, Richmond Hill. Richmond Hill. <laughs> Woo-hoo. <laughs> so that's great. Thank you. Yeah. So that's cool. And uh, we got a five page essay from uh, email. From, from our friend Vera. From our friend Vera. Vera. Who? This is episode nine that we're recording. Vera is going to be our guest for episode 10. I cannot wait to have that woman sitting here at this table. (laughs) I can't wait to hear all of her, her wisdoms. So you better like bring all the wisdoms, Vera. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, But this, as I say, this is an exceptionally long email. She writes a lot. Because she's really smart. Yes, she is extremely Mm -hmm. smart. Um, Blah, blah, blah. Love your show. Love all of you. And the more I listen, the more I love how different the styles, approach, and attitude is. This is what makes it true that there is a doula for every person. I have had lots of interviews where people don't hire me, and I try never to feel bad about it because we talked about that. Yes, we did talk about that. Good. Don't feel bad about it. Um, 
when I'm listening to your show, sometimes I'm commenting back at the phone <laughs> when I have an opinion. So I'm looking forward to hearing the conversation I've already been having with you. Uh, she talks about like the majority of this uh, email is really about sort of what's in her doula bag, which is amazing. We did uh, ask you guys to write us in and tell us what's in your doula bag. We did. And Vera takes instruction very well. Yes, Thank it's you, true. <laughs> Why do you why do you trip do you into that her? NPR voice? I don't know. Hello. Hello. Um, <laughs> That's my you know, you got your mom voice, and then you you've got your answer the phone voice. Yeah, and then you've got your Southern Colonel voice. I've <laughs> got lots of voices. Um, but I think, like through all the stuff that she brings, um, I this is what sort of rings true to me. Mostly, my best tools are my hands, my focused energy, my voice, and those don't fit in my bag. I've often thought about how, for the most part, nothing is nothing is my bag is oh nothing in my bag is truly essential. Mm-hmm. Babies come out one way or the other. It's stuff for comfort and for easing the experience. Mm-hmm. Some births, every single trick gets pulled out and tried, and mm-hmm. others the bag doesn't even get open. Yes, my dog falling into the house from the outside. Hi, um. So, not sure about adding it or not. Oh, sorry. Uh, but then the birth center. Oh, uh, what is, I've thought about a TENS machine, but then the birth center has one. And with hospital births, people tend to go right to an epidural. So, not sure about um, adding that. I have a TENS machine. I've never used it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never used it. I've used it on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great for migraines. Migraines? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where? That's place what it, I've heard. Place I'm not, it by the base of your neck and then further out. It really helps uh, head it off. I was going to say, mm-hmm. not putting it on my head. That's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Walking in, Kim's got them on her forehead. This shit ain't working. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I just take medication, so I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this is, she has an incredibly uh, amazing extensive list, but I think the one funny part that I liked is, uh, I do really ride a bike to birth. So space is an issue and the weight. Every time I learn a new tool, I have to consider if there's something I can take out of my kit. Uh-huh. So yeah, she's got she's very space conscious. Yes. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. you know, my bag weighs 500,000 yeah. pounds, yeah. Yeah. um, but I'm driving. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have to worry about how much it weighs. I actually had a dad almost put his back out once picking it up, trying to pick it up for me to hand it to me. I'm like, don't pick that up. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. And he, he went, Ugh. and Is I go, peanut ball that does it? No, it's my actual birth ball. The peanut ball's oh. empty, but the birth ball is sand weighted. Oh, you have one of those ones, the yeah. alley balls. Yeah. yeah, so it's it weighs a lot. But I don't take it to a lot of births anymore because most hospitals have balls. Yeah. yeah. Hospital has balls. Yeah, most of them do. Yeah. yeah. So And peanut balls, thanks to Sarah, Somebody, Sarah Mickler. Sarah yeah. Mickler. Yeah. Shout out to the Sarah. peanut ball lady. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah Mickler. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is awesome. So, so there you go. Although That's, I do have to say at the hospital that we work at, there is one peanut ball there that is made... For the nine foot person, yeah, it is huge, giant. It's got to be. Is, it's got to be three feet tall. God. Like it's standing on end to end. And it's, it's and it's and it's as wide as my whole entire body. Like I don't know who could lie down and put their leg over that thing. It's everybody laughs when it's I pull it out. Ridiculous, large. Yeah, and the look so, on some you know tiny little mama's birthing yeah, mama's face shocked. when it she's comes like, out. She goes, huh? "Where's that going?" <laughs> 
It's going right back in the cupboard. Don't you worry. It's a I... yellow peanut ball and it's in the cupboard. And it's 500. And, and it's, yeah, it's like. It's huge. It's for the nine foot mother. My goodness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm actually envisioning Mr. Peanut, you know, from the. It is. We should put a. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We, we should bring a Sharpie. We should bring a Sharpie and put a little face on it. Uh, and a monocle. And draw a top hat with a monocle. <laughs> yes. I don't know how that happened. Yeah. <laughs> what? Who did this thing? This is vandalism. <laughs> You, you know, you know, we'll get blamed, you know, because I always get blamed for, you know, we doing will. bad things at the hospital, oh, unplugging funny. the stupid mics in the class. Oh, how do they know I've done that? Because you didn't plug them back in. Did you? No, of course not. Well, that's why, <laughs> because they come in there to do lectures and seminars and things like that. And if all the mics are the room plugged isn't out, that big, how deaf are these people that they need to have the mics on? Yeah, I know. We don't use mics. No. Use your theater voice, doctors. Unless they're people. recording it. I don't. I, I don't know. I, it's like the UN in our classroom where we teach. It is like the, the UN. Classroom looks like the UN with the big table and the mics all around. And sometimes there's so much feedback, we've got to plug out the mics. But then we get yelled I get in at shit for, for doing it, plugging the mics because out. I forget to because we don't to put plug them, them back, back in because it's such a hassle. It's a pain in the ass to unplug them. And yeah. on a Sunday, they're not. And even coming. more of a hassle to plug them back in. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, dilemmas of the childbirth educator. Whatever. Anyways. <laughs> All right. Oh, you've got your My Favorite Murder hoodie on. Oh, that's it. That would be a good. This is an update of our lives. This would be good. That's right. You guys went, you murderinos went to the show. Yes. We did. It was so we good. are murderinos. We love birth. Yes. But we, also we also love, love true crime. Murder. Karen in Georgia. <laughs> we went to see... Uh, Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hartstark at the Sony Center on Saturday night. Live show. They have a live podcast for our favorite podcast, My Favorite Murder. And so they were here. Unfortunately, Stephanie missed the boat. I she, was wasn't not a, a she wasn't a murderino she wasn't yet. A murderino. You came late to the I am a game. very recent murderino. And now I get it. Took me a little while yeah. to kind of get past the L.A. speak type stuff. Yes, it really. Yeah, they sink they into are it. very LA. They are very LA. Yes, and but now that I'm past that, and you get all, all I hear is Karen and Georgia now. Now, now I am mm -hmm. fully ensconced in Murderino territory. Yeah. So after the fact, actually, Roger was like, you know, there's tickets left, huh? and I'm and for, I'm, for Sunday show for your show, and I'm like, oh, for yeah, our, they're our like Saturday show, two hundred and something dollars. They're the VIP oh. tickets. He's oh. like, and I'm like, so those, I'm gonna go. Those sit. are why we didn't. This is why we weren't VIP because yeah. we weren't paying two hundred dollars for the tickets. And it, it was over that, and that he's like, I'm like, so I'll be sitting alone, laughing by myself, and Listen, then go. There, there was a girl beside me. There were people there in that herself. situation. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. People who who like true crime often are the only ones in their lives who like true crime. Yeah. Do you think so, or do you think people just don't ask other people if they like true crime? That might be. Well, that's so probably all, like, very true. True, true crime lovers. Yeah. Right. So yeah, no. recently found out that Lisa was a murderino just by fluke. Yes. Yeah. No one kind of announces they're yeah, a murderino. No. Lisa. Well, no, I mean, we have, but anyways. <laughs> but we felt so sorry for you that you couldn't come. Yep. So we went to the merch section. Oh, dear. And got you a little something yeah. over there. Ooh, so please go open your Prezi. All right. It was wild. You, it, that place was. Oh, it was crazy. When, you, when everybody finally sat down. There was like 70,000 people, I think, can hold in that place. Is yeah, that crazy or what? Crazy. So there you go. Now you Ooh, can is, announce to the it? world. What's on the back? The, the oh, there's the tour. Board. It's like a concert t-shirt. It is. It's, it's like a concert t-shirt. Oh, my God. That's, that's awesome. There you go. That's Elvis. All right. Hold on. That's Elvis. I'm going to put it on. 
put it on right now. Yeah, put it on. She's taking her clothes off, people. She really is right taking all her clothes in off. Her, in Kim's living room. Okay. Leave her bra on. That's great. So, yeah, they had like all the merch. Toques, um, these hoodies, pins, all the stuff. Thank you. Oh! And, um, thank you. You're welcome. Would you get a stay out of the forest thing? Did you get huh? something that said stay out of the forest? I oh, no, my, that I was a girl it. who sat beside me. She was showing me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> a stay out of the forest t shirt or a go. hoodie or something. That said, stay out of the forest. Yeah. Anyways, we do. We've mentioned it before. My favorite murder. It is the podcast that inspired us to do this podcast. Yes. Because it's just two women sitting around talking, talking about stuff. There's. It's not fancy. It's just. So we can do that. We can sit around and talk about stuff. There you go. And that's what we do. And that's what we're doing. Talking about birthy stuff. Thanks for listening. And eventually, we'll get to the birthy stuff. We All know. right. <laughs> so yeah, we are the pragmatic doulas. And uh -huh. today. We are supposed to be talking about why some doulas choose to volunteer their time. Is this a passion? Is this a, a money-making venture? Money-making venture. All Is it your that. career Is or it both? Your career? Both, yeah. Yeah. I think. I mean, I think we see this a lot of the times on. Um, the Facebook groups and things like that, where you see, especially a new doula choosing to volunteer for their first few births. And then you see sort of a core group of doulas that jump down her throat that she needs to be valuing her time and all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, and I don't disagree with them, but I also disagree with the idea that this is, this is your business and you get to decide how you want to run it. Mm -hmm. And well, yes, we don't want to devalue what doulas do by offering free services to those that absolutely can afford it. Mm -hmm. um, I think we also have to recognize that there are situations where there are people that do need and will benefit from doula support that simply cannot afford it. Yep. And they, when you talk about and say, you know, well, birth is having a doula is a luxury. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, for part of it kind of rubs me the wrong way. I'm not sure. It doesn't have to be. <laughs> a whole bunch of it rubs me the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Doula support is not a luxury. No, it's, it's support. It's support. Doula support or whatever, whoever is providing support, support mm. birth support mm -hmm. is to me essential. And if people can't afford it it's because people just can't afford it doesn't it's not because it's a luxury people can't afford food yes food is not a luxury mm -hmm. no but there are people who necessary. can't afford it yeah That's right um so yeah so i hate it when people say that dual support is a luxury because that means it's not necessary that's right well that's true. that means that yes. it's, it's disposable like yes. like wipes warmers right yes like people I like who i know people <laughs> love wipes warmers but to me, that's, it is a luxury. It is a luxury. Well, there are lots of luxury things that I like, yes. but it doesn't mean that you could go through, you could go through life without having a wipes warmer. Yes. And your baby Your baby can live without having their wipe warmed healthy up. Healthy and fine. I hate wipe that's, that's what I mean. That's the definition of a luxury. And lots of people can afford it, even though it's actually not something that's necessary or needed. It's not essential. I feel that birth support is essential. I mean, there are people who, there's always exceptions to the rule. There are people who have 
unassisted births and free births and all that. And so they, that's their thing. That's great. But that, that's a really small minority for mm -hmm. the majority of birthing people. Support during that time is essential. Yeah. Because we've decided to offer it as a service yeah. and make it a way of uh, like a way to make a living. That's, that doesn't take away from the fact that all throughout history, Yes, it has been we have supported each other during this time in our, our lives. And now all of a sudden, we've decided to brand it a, a luxury service. But it's not no. a luxury service. Because no. even if, if we look at the research, the research tells us they can yeah. it's a luxury service. We can get, take you it can or do, leave take it. Take it or leave it. Yeah. But it shows That's consistently that when yeah. there's consistent care from mm -hmm. a person who's educated in the ways of support yeah. who yeah. is not part of the hospital, hospital. who mm -hmm. has who is an outside source who is that not are a their, family member specifically there for the family for the birthing parents consistently have better Cons outcomes exactly consistently better consistently outcomes, better yes. outcomes. Yeah. Um, like medical outcomes health outcomes emotional outcomes yeah. you know how you perceive your birth mm -hmm. whether you went home with more or less stitches like mm -hmm. there's there's a consistently across the board it doesn't mean you will or won't end up with something but you're less likely to yeah yeah so um and you're more likely to be happy with to not be trauma let's say i can say happy but not be traumatized by your experience you're more right. likely to label your birth a positive experience yes. regardless of how it unfolded yes and yeah. i don't know why that's not like i don't understand why that's not something that is also a factor that should be included like I know when you go, when you're delivering in a hospital, even when you're delivering with midwives, their main priority is healthy baby, healthy mom, mm -hmm. period. That's it. That's, that's their whole mandate. And that is essential. That is exactly what their mandate should be. Mm -hmm. But I always say, you know, in the out, in the absence of an emergency, there's, you know, a third component and that's a healthy experience. And I, did you say midwives or did you mean OBs? OBs and midwives. I think midwives have. A little bit bigger mandate than that, like informed consent and um, choice of birthplace. I'm being very generalized. Like I'm not okay. talking. I mean, yeah. I think OBs are supposed to have a mandate of informed consent, but they. I think it depends on the OB. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, I think you know when you're going when you're talking about a medical professional, mm -hmm. you know the general umbrella is going to be healthy baby, healthy mom. Well, we've had that conversation with an OB, haven't we? Yeah. Where he was very adamant and said straight to us, that's his bottom line. Yeah. Is uh, a baby and a mother who are alive at the end of the day. Yeah. And that was that. And so. But that's not enough. Being no, I'm like, the journey matters. The journey How does matter. How you get there does matter. Otherwise, we wouldn't see women with PTSD after their birth. We wouldn't see women having to work through birth trauma. We wouldn't see how many organizations and Facebook groups um, where women are desperate to find some support mm -hmm. for the processing of their birth experience. Clearly the journey matters. It does. And of course, we're, we all have that mandate of healthy birth, healthy baby, healthy mom, duh. Exactly. And to me, it just goes without saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure. Like, that is, that's what we want at the end of the day. But it, how we get there absolutely matters. matters. And doulas play an integral role in that journey. We do. Right? Or support. Let's say support people. If it's not, I mean, doulas, because we're doulas, and so I'm like, yeah, 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 doulas. Well, of course. But I didn't have a doula, but I felt so supported by my non-medical people at my, at, at my births. 
my mom, my sister, whoever was there at the time. And that's, that is essential to a positive birth experience. Yep. I mean, do we not care that at the end of the day, mothers and babies are alive? Is that it? That's our standard? Yeah. Like (laughs) that they're alive? Come on. Yeah. That can't be the, that can't be the only, no, the only thing that we strive for. Uh, Parents who are sane and have a positive outlook on their birth experience also have better health outcomes. If health outcomes are their only bottom line, babies do do better in households where the parents, whether one parent or two parents, are feeling safe and supported and secure about the role, about their birth experience and so on. So it benefits everybody on all levels. Yeah. So I don't, it really annoys me, this, this sort of trivializing of the importance of support uh, nurses are fantastic and they have a really important role. Yes. They're not there for support. No. The, your healthcare, your primary healthcare providers are not there for support. And way back in the day, people would have like a whole team of women around them. Yes. Supporting them during their quote unquote confinement. Yes. Their confinement. And because those roles have fallen away, fallen away, our mind set has shifted to say, well, we don't need that anymore. But we do. But we do. We absolutely do. Yeah. I had a, I had a, I did a, um, what do you say? A prenatal class um, for a couple privately in their home. Mm -hmm. And they were like, wow, you know, we'd really love to have you at the birth. I said, okay, you know, great. No problem. Um, but then they went to, they mentioned it to their family doctor who was going to be doing the birth. And he told them, and he is a family doctor that used to have a show on television. I can't oh, remember what I his know name is. what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So, oh, a family doc, not a pediatrician. No, no, he okay. was a family doctor. So he said that they didn't need to have a doula, that he was going to be there with them the whole time. Yeah, what? what? And, <laughs> and I said... Okay. Oh, that's nice. Good luck to you. Um, I I hope that everything works out amazing for you. If you have any questions when things are over, you know, let me know, blah, blah, blah. Gave, you know, the regular party line that I always give. And I thought, there's no way that guy's going to be sitting there with you the entire time. There's no way. I mean, first off, he's probably recording his TV show when you're, as you're, you know, in labor, Uh he's going to show up at the end. And she did email me back and say, yeah, he wasn't there the whole time. He came in at the end. He was talking to the nurses and stuff. And I go, yeah, you mean like a regular doctor? Yeah. Like what? That's, that's what they do. Yeah. The role is not support. Let's be clear and not try to. Yeah. And any, you know, when you hear that your doctor is going to be there with you the whole time, that's not true. Yeah. That's absolutely not true. No. He I might mean, be on site. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's not necessarily in your room. He's not rubbing your back. He's not rubbing your back. Have you ever heard pressure? an OB or a family doctor doing a double hit squeeze for anybody? Yeah. Um, uh, if you have, please write in. Please, well, I would us. love to know Maybe who that, you're wrong. Yeah. I, Maybe absolutely. Tell us. There's an exception to every rule. And there is. And we might. Let's talk about the commonality here. Yeah. The commonality is that that's not their role. We all have a role. Yeah. That's not their role. Nope. Like him and I were told by the chief of obstetrics. Yeah, the, the, the previous the chief. The of previous, us. not the current. No. Uh, former chief of obstetrics told us that their bottom line is a baby and mom who are alive. And yeah, in fact, <laughs> in fact, just alive, not even healthy. Like that was not, that was yeah. not the bottom was, line. Was he just wanted everybody to be alive. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, so please tell us if you know of a doctor so that we can all run to that doctor's office and switch to yeah, switch care. that kind of care. Yeah. Again, having said that, I mean, I think we have to, I mean, we're kind of picking on doctors here. I mean, I think, you know, there are certainly really good doctors out there, but we have to remember that, as you say, their role is not support. Their role yes, is to, and I think is that, to get uh, yeah, you I through the pregnancy. The, just the truth of it. And they may or may not be there when you actually get Everybody birth. plays a role. Yeah. The doctor plays a role. The nurses, their roles are very important and, and essential Absolutely. to the process. Absolutely. But it's not support. No. That's what our role is. And their roles are why you chose to have a hospital birth. Their yes. role is to have a professional, a medical professional overseeing your care. Yes. Their role is to have nurses who are bottom line in there checking on you, checking on baby, make yeah. sure that your health is good. Yeah. And our role is to make sure you understand those things that are happening. We support you through the changes that are happening in your body and help you welcome your baby without you feeling like it happened to you. And mm-hmm. encourage you to advocate for yourself and yeah. to ask the questions that you need to ask. <laughs> not that was just a creaky chair. The um to not to not ask the questions for you because oftentimes I hear I ask people in class, they say, Oh yeah, I know what a doula is. I have one. And I say, oh, would you like to would you like to tell us what the what the role of a doula is? And they will say, well, they're going to be our advocate. No, no, they're not. And if they've told you that, then that's not true. That's not within sort of our scope. Doulas help you to advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. Period. Ideally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That being said, there are some doulas who. Don't go by that scope. Some doers who do speak for you and speak up and uh, step in and do those things. It's not common, but there are those doulas where they feel that that is their role to be that foot in the door. Okay. So what do we think of that? Well, people have hired a doula specifically for that, then they're getting what they want. Okay. But then what does the hospital think of that? Well, then that's that's the only thing I think about in terms of negativity is that the doing that speaking for clients um, uh, might potentially cause the hospital staff to resent your presence there. Mm -hmm. And that's the danger of it. And that's going to screw all the other doulas that that are coming behind you. That could potentially do that too. However, in terms of like that client doula relationship, if that's, how they are comfortable working together. I don't personally have a problem with any doula working with their clients in the way that they both agree to work together. True. My concern is the impact. I know that hospitals don't like it when non-family members were, you know, like somebody Even who's fam- not the partner yeah. of the birthing person, yeah. non-family members or people who do not have a, a clinical background speak up on behalf of the patient. I know they hate that. Yeah. And if doulas do that all the time, they're going to make generalizations about all doulas. Yeah. And that's what worries me about it. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise I don't care. Well, I've spoken with nurses about that and they've spoken openly about how awkward it makes the whole room when that happens. Yeah. And I've also shared that for the majority of doulas, that's not in our purview. It's not what no. we it's not what believe. we're about. Now, that being said, there's again, there's the exception to the rule. Um, I've I've experienced the exception to the rule, and it was just simply where someone was coming in and announced they were going to do a vaginal exam and 
my client said no twice. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And it was happening very quickly. And um, the the physician gowned up and or sorry, gowned up, uh, gloved up and went to pull her knee back. And she said again, no, I'm not ready. And he's like, well, just take a minute and pulled her knee back. And I just put my hand down in front. I said, she said, she's not ready yet. Give her a minute. And it yeah. was just, it was just slowing everything down for a second. Yeah. And it was she, because she but see, you're not you're not talking. See, in that particular case, you're not talking for the client. You're just reiterating what she's already what said. What she has already yes. said verbally. Yeah. But even then, even then, that doctor is going to say to himself, possibly, you see, this yeah. is what doulas do. But how do you get away from that? So you but can't. You have to protect your client. Yes. You there 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 sometimes comes a point where you do need to do. Stuff like that. Yeah, that's right. Because if right. I were on the street with a woman who had someone had said no twice to someone, a dude who was harassing her beside her, mm-hmm. and he was still coming at her, mm-hmm. it, this, mm-hmm. not even a doula thing. I would just send, step in front of this woman who was not being listened to and mm-hmm. be yeah. beside her with that. Say, she said to leave her alone. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Or she said she's she's not hearing your advances. Can you give her a couple of minutes? Yes. Yeah. I think it's when, you know, you get the doulas that, you know, are going, well, she doesn't want Pitocin or, or we don't want to do that. And it's it's like, whoa, hold on, like back up a bit here. That's, this is not you. This is not about you. Yeah. You need to always center the client. Yes. Into all of your interactions with hospital staff. That's, that's what I think it is. You need to center her or the birthing person, their wishes, not yours, not yeah. your wishes, no. not your thoughts. And you need to be able to communicate that to the hospital staff. And sometimes it takes practice. So instead of saying, we don't want that, well, yeah. this is not about we, we. So just change that word. Yes. She yeah. or they, or my client has communicated right, probably on a birth plan or something that they would prefer something, something, something. Yeah. And it's, you're basically just reiterating what, the client's already communicated to you or maybe to the hospital itself. Right. Um, that's a big, that's a subtle difference, but it makes, yes. it can make it a really a huge yeah. difference. Yeah. Communication. Yeah. So it's funny. I had this, um, this one client and actually, so she was V back with twins mm-hmm. at a hospital Um, and she was actually going in to be induced. I think she was like 39 and a half weeks. She was almost 40 weeks Mm -hmm. and she was laboring away. And the hospital, this particular hospital at the time, like all hell was breaking loose. There were like people all over the place. It was busy everywhere. She had midwifery care. She had OB care. Mm -hmm. There was nurses training. Like it was just a giant crap fest. And they, the doctor, the doctor or the midwife broke her waters, I think, and we were walking around and contractions were starting to pick up and all was going well. Mm-hmm. And then the comment was that Pitocin was going to get started. Great. No problem. So we walked, we walked, we walked, we walked, and I guess a couple of hours had gone by, but Pitocin hadn't been started yet. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> oh, it's my mother. I, I tried to call her. Margaret, we're doing a podcast. Hi, Mom, I'm just Margaret. podcasting right now. Can I call you back? You're live on okay. the air, Margaret. Bye. 
Is All her right. name Margaret? It is Margaret. Oh my god. Um, anyways, okay, so the discussion had happened that um Pitocin was gonna be started. We walked for a few hours, and her contractions were like every two minutes apart now, like they were going. So the nurses started to set the Pitocin up. And I'm like, uh, the fuck is happening here? Mm-hmm. So, and I'm like, do I stay in my doula scope where I'm just support and I'm not doing anything? And I said, I go to the nurse. Okay. So she's contracting every two minutes now. Why are we doing the, why are we doing Pitocin? Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait. And then she kind of scuttled off and that was the end of that. But I thought, shit, now I've, I've kind of, maybe ventured into the mm-hmm. medical side of things mm-hmm. and I got to get back in my lane. Mm-hmm. And there was a doula program at this hospital at the time. And, but I wasn't working for that program. I'd been hired outside cause this was actually supposed to be a home birth. And she, uh, a twin V back home birth. Well, no, what? once it was going to be a V back home birth, but then when the twin okay. showed up, <laughs> when the second baby showed up, changed. it negated okay. the home part. But anyway, so I, I phoned up, or I emailed the actual program director and I said, look, so just so you know, I stepped outside of my scope really for the most part uh, in this particular birth. And I said a couple of things because there was another situation where I spoke up as well. I said, and this is what happened. I want you to know that. And I don't want you, your program to get in trouble because I stepped outside That's of my scope. That's very conscientious of you. Well, it's a good program, so I didn't think it wouldn't have been fair for them to have been blamed. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I, I, I feel like you asked a question. Yeah, you didn't say in a like disrespectful way. What are you giving her pit for? She's already contracting. You you asked. Yes, you like know? what's happening here yeah. because she's doing this. Mm-hmm. But the nurse, the look on her face was like, oh, "What are you talking to me for?" Um, <laughs> so. Just thinking, oh, she's back in the room. We can get that started now. And well, exactly. Or she had her orders. Get yeah. this pit started on Put this pit on. on this on this patient, and it didn't occur to her to say, well, what is actually happening in your body at this right moment now. to see if this this treatment method makes sense. Yeah, because she had gotten orders from the doctor to get pitocin started. Well, exactly. But I think that's the other thing too is that with doulas, it's not you know, we are there for support, but we're also sort of the eyes and the ears and the, you know, seeing what's going on and seeing what's happening. Sometimes we're the only ones that know what all the hands are doing at the same time. Yes. And because you're standing kind of outside of it all. Like the parents are sort of in their, you know, own little sort of insular era, birthy place. Mm -hmm. The doctors are here, the nurses are here, and we're sort of, we are watching and seeing sort of what everything is doing and how it's being coordinated. And if you have the experience that, yeah, no, that probably shouldn't be happening. Mm -hmm. I think it's okay in that respect to pipe up and say, hey, can you just even not saying, as you say, you know, don't start that Pitocin. What are you doing? What are you doing? Um, But even couch it as a question of saying, you know, can you explain to me, you know, just from my own knowledge, sort of what, why this is happening this way? Or what, what I would probably do is I would say to my client, yeah, you know, you're contracting at two minutes apart right now. You may not need Pitocin to keep things going. So it might be a good idea to kind of suggest 
that yeah. to the nurse and let her decide. And I absolutely would have done that <clears throat> in this respect, but her partner was missing in action. Mm-hmm. She didn't have an yeah. epidural and was yeah. contracting every two minutes. Yeah. Nobody was talking to anybody yeah. at that point. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that happened in that particular one is um, we all moved before we were going to move into the OR for the delivery because they wanted yeah. to do it in the OR. Yeah, yeah. Um, the client was told to go to the bathroom. So we got her into the bathroom, but she didn't actually go. And I knew this. Yeah. So when we got into the OR, um, first baby comes, all is fine. And then we're waiting for second baby to come. And the doctor's like, well, when was the last time she emptied her bladder? And the nurse pipes up just before we came in here. Mm -hmm. And then I pipe up and go, well, no, actually. (laughs) We went in, but she didn't pee. Yes. But I think at that point, the whole atmosphere in the room was such that I felt confident in speaking that. Yeah, that that to me, that's okay to me. Yeah. Because if, if, if the medical people ask a question and nobody knows the answer and you know it, yeah. then you need to say, the, yeah. well, actually she didn't pee yeah. or actually the fluid was clear or whatever the question yeah. is yeah. because it directly relates to yeah. the care of your client. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, anyways. Um, what does all, off. what does all that have to do with being a volunteer doula? <laughs> Who does and volunteer there, births? Yeah. Let's start right there. Let's throw it out. I used to. You used to. How many did you used to do? Like how often did you I, take a volunteer client? I That's all I did in the beginning of my, I did oh, two really? to three a month. Yeah. Oh, wow. How about you? Twice a year. Yeah. And it's not necessarily just volunteer. Sometimes it'll be a sliding scale or a lower yeah. fee or something along those lines. But yeah. Yeah. it's not, it's more along the lines of once I've, put my financial needs down and the needs of what things that have to be paid. And mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. this is what I do to pay my bills. And this is my career. Great. But I also think there's a place in it since we understand the importance of the care yeah. to make sure that if we have something to offer to the community, we can offer it. Yes. Right. Um, I mean, time, energy, there's all sorts of ways yeah. to volunteer, but uh, yeah. Volunteering once or twice a year. That being said, we talk about um, like the right and wrong of it. And I'm just going to, May I share a little rant? So we had the... We've been ranting you, you, for like the last may. six episodes. Okay. So you yeah, may. we're good. Mm-hmm. You know, the we went to our awesome uh, AOD AGM this year. And we had a call yes. in about oh, right. yes. a volunteer program or a, a, a... It's not a full volunteer. Each doula got paid. I think it was $275 a birth or something like yeah. that. A stipend. A stipend, yes. yes. Which, again, if you can, if you think about this as you're actually volunteering then a $275 stipend is okay, mm-hmm. right? Because you're thinking about it as volunteering. What drives me crazy is when we look at this system and everyone is extolling the virtues of this wonderful program that's been put in place. A couple of doula programs have been put in place in New York and stuff mm-hmm. because black women are dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yes. the only way to put it. Mm-hmm. And we've noticed there's been a significant reduction in black women dying when, when there's women continuous labor support. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But let's put a volunteer program in place or a stipend program in place where we ask women to work under um, the poverty line in order to support other women Mm -hmm. so they don't die. Let me tell you something. Um, I sat there during that whole presentation. (laughs) You saw me scribbling. Oh yeah. (laughs) Notes after notes because yeah, they asked black women to work for nothing to support other black women. So they don't die. So they don't die. 
And it drove me insane. So yeah. how is this sustainable? It is it's not. not. It's not sustainable. Is, it's if not. Yeah, literally, I don't want to say we're like saving lives, but if, if it is that much of an impact, if it is not a luxury, if it makes lifetime impact on the lives of women, children, families, he, she, they, everybody is positively impacted yes. by yes. having a doula present. Yep. yep. Why are we paying them $275? Why are we asking them to live below the poverty line in order to change lives? Yeah. Yeah. That. Well, because it speaks to it's yeah, because it speaks to the devaluation of the lives of black women, That's right. that pregnant black women and birthing black women, um, are an afterthought. And that's, that, that's one of the things I was scribbling down. Like this doesn't make this, it's, it sounds like a really good idea, but in long term, it doesn't, it's not sustainable. It's absolutely not sustainable. And you will get so much doula burnout from having to support so many Mm -hmm. for such a small amount of money that you're going to end up losing doulas who are potentially amazing support people, but because they can't, they can't can't keep going like that. And because they can't, you know, yeah, feed their children, Mm -hmm. pay their bills, Mm -hmm. they're going to have to turn and look for work that where they can make more money. So I, there is an organization in Toronto, and I'm, I'm I don't know if I should say it, but the Ardula Collective, who are pretty new and they're fantastic. We met one of those women at the AOM mm-hmm. AGM that same day, and I think they'd be great to have on because they're making it work. They're providing amazing birth support services to people. I, I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't want to speak out of turn if it's if it's all volunteer or if they, no, no, it's, it's funded, not all it's, it's funded, funded, but they're not but making somehow it. or another, they're making not they're, a lot of money. They are doing, they've started something and I am so intrigued. I keep on meaning to contact them and find out more about them. And, um, but the doulas are only making 250 really? yeah. a birth. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're, not, they're not. No, no. But I think the goal is getting it. Like she's really good at marketing. I'm, I'm seeing it out there. That's it, really intriguing. And I think yes. the hope here is, is that because they have private funding is that they'll <clears throat> continue to get private funding that now does pay the doula so that the person who is in financial constraints can get yes. care. Yes. And cause let's be honest, like when we talk about, I had this great conversation yesterday about people who can use their flex funds with mm-hmm. their their benefits to mm-hmm. cover their doula services, which is fucking awesome. Yeah. That great. being said, people who have flex funds are generally people who are in a, with a good company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And making, are, making a lot of money to pay it cash for their yeah. labor support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, people who can't afford to pay cash usually don't have flex funds. No, whatever right. they're called. Um, it's one of the first things that is usually cut out of a, benefits package when a company has to downsize or rejig their, mm-hmm. um, their funds. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so it's already, I, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I I'm so happy that there's even a box to tick for people. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the only thing that's great, there are some companies that have amazing, amazing. I'm not going to mention these companies that they make minimum <clears throat> wage, but they have an amazing benefits package. Yes, All right. hail those companies who make sure that those benefits are in place for families. But um, when and I love what that company is doing with getting the word out there in hopes of getting more sponsorships so that the amount we're paying doulas is sustainable. Yeah. We need to move towards that. 
the programs you heard about before are not moving towards that. The the because mostly the money is coming from the government mm -hmm. and from individual short term programs to see if we can make some change. Mm -hmm. So let's just pay these women a stipend. But they made they're making some change, and then as soon as we have a change in government, boom, it's gone again. We got to start all over. Yes. Well, I mean, this all speaks to the devaluation of women. Um, of women and our pregnant bodies in in particular maternity care. It speaks about that whole big hole in our healthcare system and how little it's all it's all valued. So it's not surprising to me that these things are put in place and taken away because they're disposable, dispensable. They're just considered they're trivialized and minimized and and we can do better. Way, way, do better. way better. And it irritates me when, you know, I get calls um, for people looking for a volunteer doula saying, well, you know, because they're supposed to do, uh, to get their certifying births, they're supposed to do them for free. And I say, no, actually, that isn't true. They don't have to do them for free. Yeah. Um, we save, and I tell people right up front, we save the, we save the free ones for those that truly cannot afford it. And you can hear on the other end them going, oh, yeah, right. You know, and she's sitting in her big cushy office, you know, making this phone call yeah. um, because she wants to do, she wants to have somebody for free mm -hmm. because she herself does not value yeah. or her partner doesn't idea. value. Mm -hmm. And who wants to spend $1,000 or more on a quaint idea? Yeah. It's not something that you feel is essential or a valuable service. No. So, yeah. That, that uh, drives me bananas. And I mean... This kind of leads me to the 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 other piece of this, how much some doulas invest in this work as a business and how much people sometimes look at this as a hobby. Mm -hmm. Yes, the hobby doulas. Yeah, which is fantastic. All are good. Uh, and every person has to decide for themselves how much they're going to, how, how business oriented they're going to be, uh, how much, how money-making they want this service to be and how much warm fuzzy, yeah. just give me a warm hug and a slice of apple pie. Yeah. They want this to be, yeah. but even doulas who are, let's say hobby doulas or doulas who have a, you know, I know a few uh, Christian doulas who they just want to give back to the community to increase, well, the better outcomes. And they want to, they want to spread the word yeah. about woman to woman care. And mm -hmm. um, often they'll do it within their communities, their mm -hmm. Christian communities. Yes. Or women who are hobby doulas, Christian doulas, whatever, they are looking to change. Mm -hmm. They're looking to change someone's life. Yes. And so they generally are also not looking to volunteer for someone who has the funds for this. Mm -hmm. No, no, exactly. Volunteer. They too. They're are, doing it within their community. That's right. They're not saying to, or maybe they're doing it to their best friend who does have the cash to pay for it, but it's your best friend. Exactly. Yes. So you're rolling with them, you know? Exactly. Um, so when we look at volunteering, continuing to keep it forefront, I think having the campaign of making sure everyone understands what we do, why we do it, how it changes lives is what will eventually get us to a place where there is more coverage, where there are less people who are devaluing it or who just simply don't understand why it's even of value. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there is the place for it. Now, when we talk about devaluing though, sometimes we see these newer doulas coming in or just doulas who are younger in their career 
who might have got their certification and done their three births and sure. everything, who are still not charging enough to sustain themselves here in the economy, right. here, here in Toronto. Even. Well, yeah, especially. Yeah. yeah, so those doulas who I look at some of their information and it'll be at least 25% less than what the midline is. Yeah. And I want to say to them, they're like, well, well, I'm new. No one will hire me at that amount. It's like, mm, no one will hire you because you're appearing as though you're not valuing your service or like maybe you don't mm-hmm. know what you're doing. No one buys the cheapest mattress. No one buys. Hold on a second. When you're going to use something that will change mm-hmm. your life for you, or it's an important day for you, you're actually not going to go for mm-hmm. who's cheapest. Mm-hmm. You, you might not even call them because you're concerned about why they might be. Yeah. Why so, so low? So little. Yes. yes. Unless they list themselves that I'm a student doula. I'm going to do X amount of births for this amount. If you get in before this date, it will be this amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's different than saying, I'm going to ask you to pay me, you know, 30% less than everybody else does because just because, and then someone's left guessing. But you can't also be a young doula and go in and go, yeah, you know, I've only done like four births and uh, you got to go in and go, yeah, I have, I have done a number of births. You didn't say what that number was. You've done a number of births. Um, I have this much experience. I had this training. I've done X, Y, Z. I've done all this. You go in with the confidence that, yeah, I am worth that money Mm -hmm. because I am that good. Yes. But you don't go in. But is that, is that a woman thing? You go in and going, oh, like, I don't know. Like, I can't. uh, Mm -hmm. I'm just not worth that. No matter what job you go to for that, that's not going to work well. No, you got to go in and go like, hey, I am the most awesomest doula you're ever going to meet. And I have this experience and I did this training and I did this and X, Y, Z. That attitude runs across all industries though. Well, exactly. You, you, whether it's doula work or whether you're, you know, making ceramic pots for people, you (laughs) need to present your service as if it's worth it. Yes. And if people ask about your experience, you be honest and you tell them, but you don't play that up. No. You play up you your play skill up the, yes. and the value of the service, and yes. this is how much it costs. Done. Yeah. People will hire you. Yes. So that's a note for new doulas. Don't don't do that to yourselves. No. I mean, my last don't undervalue your my own last self. fee increase for my postpartum services happened because I was at a workshop thingy with a bunch of other doulas, all from Toronto and like immediately surrounding. And we were talking about the same thing and everybody said what they charged per hour for postpartum. And I was the lowest one. And everybody was like, what? That's what you're charging? Why are you doing that? I was like, whoa. I had no idea that people were charging. It was a good $10 more an hour than what I was charging. And I totally got it. I was like, yep, you guys are right. I don't have a problem getting paid more. Yeah. So (laughs) immediately went home, changed all my contracts. And uh, increased my fees because it was right. Yeah. Like, I don't want to paint myself as the cheapest doula on the block. No, of course because not. Because people will equate my lower price to lower standards. I agree. Yes, experience. they will. And that's not true. And no, I had almost like, no. I think I had the second most experience in the room. Probably. And here I was charging $10 less an hour. I did a training once actually with two people that, you know, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and cause they were going to, they didn't, hadn't gotten their certification. So we were going to, they were going to get their certification this time around. And 
I, somebody in the class asked, um, you know, what is the going rate for postpartum doulas in Toronto? And mm-hmm. I said, well, it's about $30, $35 an hour um, during the day for singletons. Things yes. change, you know, depending on other aspects. I said, and I, I turned to them and I said, you know, well, what do you guys charge? And they said, and it was like, yeah, like $10 lower. And I know they'd been doulas for years and were amazing. And I go, baby, no, Mm -hmm. no, you must charge more. I'm begging you to charge more. Please. I did. I had a philosophy around my my fees and how I set them, I felt very comfortable charging what I charged at the time. I felt, yes, this is a decent uh, wage. And I feel that my services are worth that. And I felt really comfortable. I did not at the time factor in the market rate and how my rates fit in Mm -hmm. with the rates of all the other doulas Mm -hmm. in the city that I worked in. Mm -hmm. That was the first time that was an eye-opening business education moment for me because I realized, oh, so when I do that, when I set my bar so low, it actually brings everybody's bar a little bit lower. It kind of lowers the standard for uh, doula services for everybody because then we say, oh, let's just, as an example, these are not the prices we're working with. If I'm charging 10 and other people are charging 20, I'm lowering the average down, you know, like to 15, 15 or, or yeah. something. And it's, then you're actually giving a family who might have, is thinking of hiring you and then is, or thinking of hiring someone else and then they hear about you and they're like, oh, Suzanne has like, you know, 20 years experience. This chick over here has 10. Why is, Why she, is she charging this yeah. much? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Like they're, they're, un, they don't understand why. Yes. The market is what the market is. Yes. So staying in touch with other doulas and keeping those that exactly. communication open, the networking is important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some that blow through and do like top end stuff. Like there, there's a doula in Toronto who charges twenty five hundred dollars a birth. I think twenty seven hundred dollars a birth. Yeah. Um, and she takes very she? few births. What does she? And uh, do, what does she? What does she do <laughs> that we're not doing? Well, that's what when I look and I go like. Like I say, people ask what the average is. I'm like, eh, you're probably in Toronto looking at anywhere from like a thousand to twenty five hundred as sort of the average. Well, I have and that's a on my water. That's here. a huge difference. I said I don't honestly know what the twenty five hundred dollar one per birth does. Do you um, know? Like I'm cur- really honestly. Does she have other things? I know that yes. some people charge more because they're RMTs. Get it? Right. They're naturopathic doctors. Get it? Or yeah. they offer some other professional aspect right. of their, like they're a pelvic floor therapist or something like that. And that look and on her, that her look on her face is saying, no, none of that is in play for that particular doula. Simply the way she has set up her business and the way she has values her time. That's, that's really just the bottom line. And she takes, but you have few. to, con- okay. she, so that's good, the key. She her. takes very few. So those people that hire her are hiring her to have her basically be like really personalized care. Yes. Like that is the, like once a month, that is the client that you have. Mm-hmm. I would totally, absolutely do that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I'd just love sure. to talk to this person. Yeah, but I'm just not sure where I'm getting clients from if that's that's going to actually even happen. Yeah. Well, again, uh, where people have the money and they value something, they generally budget for it. Um, where they have the money. Mm-hmm. Right. So generally, if you, you know, Kim, you spoke a little re- recently about target market and understanding who you're talking to yeah. and who you're speaking with. And that's hers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. people who will 
value it, understand that it is her and they're getting her like barring an act of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why she's comfortable. I, I mean, my first inclination is to be like sn- snippy and say, well, yeah, her target market are rich people. Yeah. So clearly <laughs> she's, she's, she's dealing with that clientele. However, I take a step back and say, well, that might actually free up her time to do because she's getting paid that amount of money for one client it might free up her time to do a volunteer birth here and there mm-hmm. with less output of her services, right? Like True. maybe only birth support or birth support plus one prenatal or whatever the case may be. So yeah, I'm trying to be open-minded about it. I'm very intrigued and very curious. I can't imagine myself. I mean, I'm, I'm worth a million dollars. Yes, you are. <laughs> However, I would have um, you at my birth with low quinoa at my yoni. <laughs> I would. Let me tell you something. Pixie dust, you want the whole packet? You're getting it. You're getting it. Oh. So, yeah, that's that's very intriguing. I really would. I am fascinated by the way other people deliver their services. Yes. You know, we talked, I think, last time mm-hmm. about how many prenatals you do and yeah. so on. Yeah. How available you are to your How clients. available you are and so on. So I'd like to know what, beyond those, to me, basics, what else? What do you get for $2,500? What else do you, what do you get for $2,500? Um, because maybe there's something I could incorporate into my practice and yeah. bump up my fees a, a, a little bit, which leads me to run this idea through you guys. And any doulas out there who are doing something like this or have done something like this, I'd love to hear how it works, sort of asking my clients who clearly are, are fine paying my fees yeah. and asking them to tack on an extra 50 bucks to set up a little fund. You know how you apply, yeah. you go to yeah, like yeah. a conference or something and then they ask people if you want to donate to a scholarship fund or whatever so that right. people who mm-hmm. can't afford right. the registration fees can also attend the conference. Yeah. I've been thinking of sticking a little optional okay, thing. Yeah on my contract to say totally optional. Would you like to contribute to a fund that would help me to do more? Yeah. Births for people who can't afford my full service fee. There's quite a few doulas that do that here in Toronto. Yeah. Okay, cool. I thought I'd made that up. What the hell? I thought it was my (laughs) idea. You thought you were original and yet you were not original. Yeah. I know this are quite, savvy too like in the sense of online savvy technology savvy because when you go yeah, through their, their websites yeah. there's almost almost always there's you know what are you interested in service wise everything like that there's a spot to pay online and at the bottom there's like would you like to contribute you know five percent ten percent twenty five percent um or a certain dollar amount to yes the fund yes for serving underserviced populations in toronto mm-hmm. um and yeah, it just opens up that option for somebody who yeah, it's totally yeah. optional, and um, yeah, I've been just mulling it over and fig- trying to think about how to actually do it. So, if there's anybody out there who does do that, like that's your that's your jam. You've been doing it for a while, and then give me some ideas. I'd like to know. Cool, I really would. All right, so we're just about to hit an hour mm. of discussion, so maybe yeah. we should take a break maybe and a birth story. and do a birth story. We have one that actually isn't one of ours. 
Surprisingly enough. We're going to step away from our own children and our own vaginas and talk about somebody else's. Somebody else's vagina. Okay. Oh, from Kentucky. Oh, cool. Oh, gosh. We're really Southern. A Southern birth. Oh, my God. We'll be back in 25 minutes. No, we won't. Um, All right. So we're going to take a break. We're going to go pee. We're going to feed that whining dog over there. He's not. not, I don't hear him whining. I absolutely can hear him breathing loudly going. dirty looks. Because it's 11.30 and he wants fed. So he's sitting there stressing. Look at him. He's sitting there stressing going, why won't you feed me? Why won't you feed me? He does have a little wrinkle on his Oh, yeah. Look at it. He looks so worried that you're just going to forget to feed him altogether. I know. Because he's, look at the size of him. Like he's clearly starving to death. He gets three goddamn meals a day. So deprived. Oh, my God. All right. So enjoy this quiet interlude and uh, we'll we'll be be back. All right. So, yes. Yeah, so now we are recording because I'm an idiot. Um, and we just went through recording like an entire. Somebody read the whole first story. 15 and minutes realized, of. Oh, my God. We didn't press record. Uh, yeah. Okay. It was really good, though. We were very insightful. Yeah. And now we will have nothing to say. We, yeah. I got nothing now. It's just a story. Now it's just sitting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, this is the story of Molly. And Molly's from Kentucky. Molly belongs to a VBAC support group that is huge and wonderful and supportive of informed consent and even more so supportive of autonomous decisions for women. What? I know. What's that shit about? And what? people are kicked out if you bully them. Oh. I guess a group where seriously, the moderators out. take this shit seriously. Good. If you start bullying somebody, out you go. Good. If you're being mean, out you go. Mm-hmm. You can be real. You can clarify facts and stuff like that. But if it has a tone, you'll get a warning. Yeah. And if you're being nasty, you're out the out. Nice. Gone. That's good. See you later. Bye bye. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that's why Molly, who had her baby on the 19th of February, has yeah. already shared this. So this is a fresh birth. Yeah. It's a fresh she's birth. she's still in her. She's she's still in her recovery. Yeah. She came back to share because it matters in mm-hmm. this group. It matters. Everyone follows up with everybody and makes sure everyone's okay. Mm-hmm. So Molly's from Kentucky. And this is her home birth after cesarean story. So is that HV back or HBAC? H-B- home birth after cesarean. Oh, H. Okay. So you leave the V out. HVAC is a home service. HVAC is like the, <laughs> the guy <laughs> comes to fix your air conditioning. Yep. Because I'm not that. That's, that's <laughs> not that. She, maybe her husband does that. Who knows? Oh, who knows? She's an HVAC. Okay. HVAC. Home mm-hmm. birth after cesarean. So her story starts on Sunday, February 17th. Contractions started in the evening before bed. Not regular, but painful enough that I couldn't sleep. Maybe got two to three hours of sleep between contractions. We're coming into Monday now, Monday, February 18th. Her two-year-old wakes up at 11.30 a.m. the way they do. Mm, Or sorry, 1.30 a.m. Oh, yes, wouldn't go yes. back even better yeah even better. Mm-hmm. that, that makes more that, sense yeah into that time where you're really getting into that good sleep mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. the two-year-old says excuse me yep. time to party and this baby partied until 9 a.m so no one slept nor nor she nor her husband she went to thank you for this clarification kim chick Filet. Chick, Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Yay, this is our entire discussion on... Yeah. We talked about that a lot in the previous... <laughs> Chick-fil-A. On fast food in the United that States. That place in the States where they serve 
those big chicken sandwiches that are so popular? Oh, see, no, no, I no, I want this. Chick-fil-A. Do I want to try this? I'm not, actually, aren't they in the middle of some controversy right now? Yes, I think, I think right now, I think they're racist. Or was it before? I don't know. I can't remember what it was before. They might, it might be, was it some sort of homophobic thing? Yeah, it's something like that. Fuck yeah. you, my, my, kids, my kids would know. <laughs> or there was another, I always get, I don't know, these my kids are woke. places. There's Your enough shit going woke. on up here in Canada right now. <laughs> there, There is. But apparently, all of that aside, their chicken sandwiches are delicious. That's what I heard. <laughs> I haven't had one there. in 25 years. <laughs> apparently, they're good enough that she decided to take herself and her husband to Chick-fil-A for mm-hmm. lunch. Mm-hmm. And she timed her contractions while she was there. Continued to do so while walking through Target, hopefully to get things going. I had to stop a few times to focus through these contractions as they were getting more intense. They were consistently coming, but anywhere from five to 12 minutes apart. Can I tell you that was like 37 weeks on for me? What? Just always, always oh. in some sort of contraction pattern. I could, but were they oh painful God, that were dry or were they just cramping? Sometimes they were crampy. Sometimes I felt like I had to shit myself. Sometimes it Jesus felt like, like I was on fire. Like yeah, all no, variety. Of I, I can't imagine and that. to be emotionally exhausted and want to hurt people. <laughs> yes, poor Roger. I mean, <laughs> all who did not get hurt should be grateful. Yes. <laughs> all right. So where we go with that? I lost my way. We are coming back, Molly. I swear. Okay. So I timed con- contractions through the night that night and tried to get some sleep, but didn't get any rest. So this is Monday. Mm-hmm. Finally, told Colin, my husband, to get some sleep because if this was the real deal, one of us should be rested up. Listen, Colin, just go to sleep. It's a gift, man. Yeah, take it. Yep. He slept from 11 p.m. to 12:30 a.m. before I had to wake him up. An hour and a half. What? Eleven p.m. That's not that's not that's, long it's sleep. An that's hour not long sleep. But Sorry, you know what? It's fucking glorious. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is the during the it's the you know, an hour and a half is the new five hours. <laughs> and when you're up the night before, because mm-hmm. the, the baby's not going back to sleep till mm-hmm. nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Sorry, Colin. Everyone's a little bagged. We got you, Colin. Mm-hmm. Tuesday, so we started on Sunday with this, and we're now coming into Tuesday. Oh, Molly, February 19th, this woman is a rock, I tell you. Mm. I hit a wall around midnight and cried for a solid hour out of tiredness and frustration. Mm -hmm. I felt like my body was doing all this work, but it wasn't progressing as the contractions were still, still weren't getting regular. I woke Colin up, and after a few contractions, he decided it was time for us to call in the mom and the doula for backup. My mom got here shortly after 1 a.m. and my doula around 2. Mm-hmm. From 2 to 6, my doula got me into several different positions to try and get me comfortable in order to rest as much as possible. I love that. Because yeah. our job is not to move your labor forward. Yeah. It's to help you be I'd rested. say that all the yeah. time. Yeah. Let's, we, you don't have to do anything to seduce birth to you, okay? Yeah. If we need, if you absolutely need something, if your labor is completely stalled and we've tried everything, then you need to go to the hospital and get Pitocin or something. Outside of that, let's just let things move along and let's try to get you into positions that are going to help you rest and cope with your contractions because sometimes those two don't go together. So you got to finagle things up. That's right. To find a restful place so that when that one minute contraction comes, you can do it. Yeah. And then you can go right back into your comfortable spot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here we go. And you know what? She doesn't mention the doula's name here, which is unfortunate because... We want a shout out. I love her. Good doula. Shout out, doula in Mm -hmm. Kentucky. Let let her know. Let let her let her doula know that we talked about her and how awesome she is. Absolutely. And then tell her to listen to this podcast so that 
she can feel really good about herself. I hope so. So yoga ball, couch, standing and swaying. And the best was just sitting in my rocking chair. Contractions were going down through my hips and she and Colin were doing counter pressure to try and help with that. I finally was able to get little bouts of sleep between contractions while rocking in that rocking chair. I love that. Around 6 a.m. I was laying on the couch and the contractions were starting to get way more intense. Looking back, this was likely the start of transition. I hit another wall of frustration as my contractions were anywhere from four to eight minutes apart. I felt again like I wasn't progressing at all. I decided to take a shower as that would maybe allow me to relax and refocus a bit. I sat down in the bath and let the shower run over my belly. That sounds glorious. Contractions I'm gonna, I'm gonna immediately right started <laughs> coming from one to three minutes apart and were unbearable. Some were double peaking and some came immediately after the next. Oh, yeah, we, you hear those sounds? Because we can all relate. Everyone remembers that sensation. Those. Colin, unknowing that it was this was happening, stepped out of the room to call my midwife around 7.30 a.m. I felt a pop at one point and thought my water may have broken, but I wasn't sure. Then at 7.45, I realized I was in transition and was ready to get in my birth pool. The only problem was that the water was now too hot as we thought we had way more time for it to cool down. So I had to wait for Colin to add cold water and get it to the right temperature. My mom and doula came in to help me out of the bath and my water gushed out as I stood up. I made my way to the pool in the living room and as I squatted by the tub, I felt something come out. I reached down and felt what I thought was my baby's head. I screamed for Colin to come because I literally thought the baby was coming out. It turned out to be a bubble of amniotic fluid coming out in the sack. Can I ask a question here? Mm -hmm. How does that happen? If she stood up and felt her, she felt the pop, mm -hmm. she stood up and felt water gush out, and now we have a bubble of sack. Mm -hmm. I don't understand well, what the dynamics. The, there's two layers, right? Of the amniotic sac is two layers. And yeah. then there's even on our on our model in the classroom, you see the two gauzy pieces. That's the two, the, the, two the, layers the, of the amnion and the chorion. chorion. Yeah. Uh -huh. This is the midwifery. This is the science biology section. Yeah. So you're saying that maybe the first the first or the second layer. Second yeah, layer, second layer one layer can broke. pop up high, one can pop down low. Oh but you can see the water's coming from all different directions. Areas, right, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. All right. Just like a bag that has a hole in it on one side, you can still up, fill up water on it. And because the vagina is like this big. Yep. So it's like so a tube. The, over here, there's a rupture, and then the water comes down. But then down here is all intact. And then as the baby moves down, this intact bit down here comes bulging out. I knew right. I, I figured that I could see that part, but it's hard part, to, it's hard to yeah, it's hard yeah. to picture that she yeah. stood up and water gushed yes. out and then and there then, was still Zach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That, yeah. that part confused me. Think of it like in that sequence. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. but here we are. I'm just trying to wrap Molly, my head. Thank you for doing it. that, Molly. And yes. I'm super appreciating your NPR voice that you're using to, to read this. Not porn voice? No, it's fine. This is ASMR. Belching. That's that's what's got me impressed. I'm impressed. Uh -huh. All right. Not, let me not talk too soon while you see. We were way more. We were no, way farting, more insightful. No we were way more insightful last night. We didn't record this. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, shit. The the gushing of water. Yeah. Water. She called Colin. Colin! Colin! Get over here. Call the midwives. Baby's coming out. At this point, I had about 15 minutes of no contractions. 
I felt refreshed and like my mind was clear and ready to go. Mm. Rest and be thankful. Yeah, just rest and wait. Threw a leg over. I got in the pool around 8 a.m. and my midwife got there shortly thereafter. I felt pushy immediately, but didn't actively start pushing with those contractions until 9.30. I wasn't expecting to have to push that long and was starting to get frustrated when my midwife asked me to check and see if my I could feel my baby's head. So she reached down and checked for herself. It was only a knuckle away, and that gave me the drive to keep going. I love that. It's an official measurement. Yeah. yeah. Unit of measurement. A yeah, my knuckle. a knuckle away. We're the first knuckle in. <laughs> Let's see. Finally, my baby crowned, and then the head was out. Oh, sorry. I skipped a line. Every time the baby's head started to come out during a push, it would slide back in after. And which we is, love that. Which is normal. It stretches which is out normal. those tissues. Yeah. Stretch. I guess so if it's, your, she, it's her second baby, it's her first vaginal birth. birth. That's right. So that would be amazing. A, a weird thing for her to experience. That's right. Yeah. Crazy. Finally, baby crowned, and then the head was out. Everyone said one more push for the shoulders, but then, and then baby would be out. But actually, it took three more pushes for his shoulders to come out, or for the baby's shoulders to come out. Mm -hmm. Looking back, this was because his shoulders were 15.5 centimeters while his head was only 14. My husband caught Mm. the baby and handed him through my legs so that I could grab him. So she's in the birthing pool mm -hmm. at this point? Yeah. She's in the birthing pool at this point. Mm -hmm. Baby was born at 10.35 a.m. after an hour of pushing. Nice. Team Green Baby turned blue. He was 9 pounds, 1 ounce, and 21.75 inches long. One of the best parts was that because I took my time with pushing and my midwife gave me counter pressure while baby was crowning, I only had whoops, two tiny tears that didn't even qualify to be a first-degree tear. Nice. Road Yay, burn. Molly. Good job. Nice, Molly. And you know what I said when we were not recording? When we were before, not recording. That I also had a 9 pound, yeah. 1 ounce. Baby, yeah. and his shoulders were sticky mm-hmm. too. Well, yes. t- Will was nine nine, and his got stuck. Yeah, so that's why he ended up. Oh. In the, that's why he ended up with an app guard of two. Good oh. job, Molly. Way to go. Is her last name Green? Is that what she said? No, no, team, team baby, team no, green, team as green. opposed to team pink or blue. Green is I don't know what the sex is, so they just call it that team green. I see. Yes. I'm so cool. not into the gender reveal. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand that. Whole. No. Okay, cool. Yeah. Excellent. I yeah. love that. That's nice. That Molly was a good job. also gave us a picture from the moment she caught her baby in the pool that will be, she said, we can go right ahead and throw up on our Instagram page too. Oh, so amazing. She wanted to give a shout out to, and I hope I'm saying this right, Cincy Birth Stories, who captured her birth on through photography, C-I-N-C-Y Birth Stories in Kentucky. This is not she, an advertisement for them. We don't know them. We don't we, have we any. We certainly are not getting paid no, to and big them up. So we're not recommending them Cincy or anything like that. But if you want to talk to Molly. Molly says they're fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. They're beautiful. So that is that picture that will be up on our Instagram Will you be sharing that today or will we share it when this episode comes out? Let's do it when the episode comes yeah, out. That makes, it makes sense. more sense. All right. Yeah. So that's Molly in the pool holding her baby. Mm-hmm. Cool. And Molly is awesome. So she had a home birth after having a cesarean. Which is possible. And this is why I wanted to speak about this one because her labor started on the Sunday and her baby was born on the Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And it is the story she told and how she felt, all the emotions she went through are so common. Mm -hmm. She went through the period of time where she felt like things weren't progressing, but they were progressing. They were just working the way her body needed to work. Mm -hmm. And it is very, very common for VBACs to unfold this way. Some start, some stop. 
some start, some stop, some intensity, and a little less. Mm -hmm. We are working with a muscle that has a scar on it. True. So we're going to cut it some slack. Mm -hmm. Um, I also see it with women who had fibroids and stuff removed in earlier years. And they mm-hmm. have a few different scars on their on their uterus because mm-hmm. before they went up through the vagina, mm-hmm. they used to go through our belly button and through the sides to take our fibroids or to scrape our yeah. endometriosis. Yeah. And so sometimes I see this very similar thing, not just with VFAT, but with women who have had previous uterine surgery for any reason. Mm-hmm. And we just, we give it up to Molly who went through her periods of crying, who went through her periods of feeling overwhelmed and moved through it, let it go, went to the next thing. And just let her labor be what it needed to be. And then she welcomed her baby. I know Yay. It be hard. Yay. Yay, Molly. Thank you so much. Yes, for, thank you for sharing that for with us and for us letting us share that with everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And congratulations because you still. Yeah, you're still in the congratulatory <laughs> period. Yes, it hasn't are. even been. She's like, what, three weeks postpartum now? Mm-hmm. I would not even say. 10 days, nine yeah, days. Not, yeah. What? The, oh, the 19th. The, yeah, the yeah, baby was born on the 19th. 19th. Good Lord. This is the last day of February that we're recording this on. Yes. So it's yeah. the 28th, wow. right? Yeah. Molly's still laying up. Still yeah. laying up. Drink lots of soup, Molly. That's right. Yeah. Take care of those boobs. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Thank you, great. Molly. All right. And um, next week, next week we're we going to have a guest. We are welcoming Vera. Vera from Doula's on Bikes here. I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, so make sure you come back next week to hear what all she has to say. Yeah. Do we even have a, I guess we don't have a topic for that. What about, I don't, I don't even know. Like, Plier with liquor and see what comes out of her. <laughs> At 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, the yeah. Morning Madison drinks. driving. <laughs> all right. Sleeping over at Kim's. Right. <laughs> no, you're not. Um, all right. So please do remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you would like to send us your birth story to read in for everybody, um, that was really well written. So there you go. You know, the standard to which you need to present it. Um, oh, no, they don't have to write it that like, they could Oh no, it has it. to be what? Fu- fucking literature. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> that's right. Uh, um, this is the Pulitzer prize winning birth story podcast. That's and right. That is all we accept. Anyways, uh, so yeah, we're those, those are kind of the details and whatnot that we're looking for. Um, and again, rate, review, subscribe, email us. And tell at, a friend. Tell all your friends in the States and all over the world to yeah. listen to our podcast because that gives us a thrill when we hear that people from far away are listening. And um, we love it. So all right. And please, take care. Please remember to email us at thepragmaticdoulas at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at, again, thepragmaticdoulas. And we also have a Twitter, uh, thepragmaticdoulas, too. All What's right. your personal? That was going to say. Have, let's give our doula? personal. My Instagram, my doula Instagram, I was the only one really that anybody could use, really. It's at doula Suzanne. So if you want to. Um, send me a message directly to me. You can contact me that way. And yours, Stephanie? Official is... underscore doula Steph. Yes. That's how you reach me on Instagram. Yes. And do you have a personal Instagram? Not one that's available for everybody. Okay. It's private. It's private. Yeah. Sorry. I put stuff on my kids you on it. You're not allowed in the inner sanctum. I don't want... I don't want the entire world seeing my kids, so mm-hmm. and my own personal life. So there you go. Um, but we have the Toronto Doula Group has a, uh, which we've already sort of put out there. We have a mm-hmm. Instagram as well. All right. Okay. All right. Cool. Good. Thank you, and Take care, everybody, enjoy the rest of your day. Bye. Bye.